Welcome, everybody. It is Friday, which means it's time to get in the cage here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino, and it's always fun to have a conversation with this man who does a great job covering combat sports. He does a brilliant job at bloodyelbow.com. He is the associate editor. He is Mookie Alexander. Mookie, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Bob. Uh, Really cannot wait for particularly the main event of UFC 253. Yeah, I want I want to get into that with you. I want to I want to just take you back to last weekend quickly and get your your take on what we saw. Um I don't know that the that the result was a surprise. I mean, Tyron Woodley has not looked good in the two fights leading up to this fight with Colby Covington. He's 38 years old. It just feels like for whatever reason he had a rapid decline. Um but just your take on the fight was it what you expected? Any any surprises about the outcome? Yeah, it was pretty much what I, what I had expected. I, I feel like Woodley, as good a fighter as he is, or at least as good a fighter as he was, he has always had trouble dealing with fighters who can effectively pressure him because when his back is toward the, towards the cage, I mean, he can't help himself there. He really does not have a diverse enough striking game to, to scare somebody off. It's just the big right hand and then really not a whole lot else. So when he's not throwing, then he is extra vulnerable to just losing on sheer volume. And Colby Covington, it, it, much like Gilbert Burns and much like Kamaru Usman, they're able to not only push the pace, but maintain that pace. So it, it was one-sided pretty much from the start. And I, I think everything we needed to know about how that fight would go is that Woodley was actually trying to pressure Covington in the opening minute, and he got taken down. And Woodley, at his best, had incredible takedown defense. But when he starts getting out-wrestled, it really just frazzles him, and he stopped pressuring for the rest of the fight, and Covington pretty much did whatever he wanted. So the, the rib injury is very unfortunate, but also there was no way he was going to win the fight. And um, as, as good a win as it was for, for Covington in terms of keeping himself in title contention, there is really no way back for Woodley at this point. It, it, there's no way he's going to be able to uh, recapture the, the, the UFC welterweight title. And even though he says he's not going to retire, uh, I, I just see that, it's really possible, based on what Dana White said, especially that his future may be outside of the USC. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that one. Uh, one more on that before we move on. I don't think I've ever talked to you about Colby Covington, and I mean, I get what he's doing. Obviously, it's he's doing whatever he can to draw attention to himself, taking a page out of Chael Sonnen's book, a page out of Conor McGregor's book. I guess my problem with him is he's just not smart enough, in my opinion, to be clever or have that little sense of humor that they both had. They could be funny. They could be jarring and and, and cutting, but there was some level of humor and cleverness to what they do, whereas Covington is, let me just be offensive. Let me just say the most offensive thing I can think of and get attention that way. I, I, I think he's a good fighter. I don't think he's special. I don't think he does anything really. I think he's a good wrestler, but there's nothing dynamic about him. Ultimately, how do you view him moving forward and his shtick? Is it something you think is good for the sport, bad? You like it? You don't like it? Where are you at with Covington? As a fighter, I think Covington has improved tremendously, such that even though he's not anybody's idea of a terrific striker, he, as I said earlier, has got great pace and and a lot of volume to his his striking. So what he lacks in power, he makes up for the fact that he throws a uh, a lot of strikes per minute. So it's not inconceivable for him to eventually become welterweight champion, but I, I wouldn't really favor him to beat Kamaru Usman. In fact, I think the only two welterweights I would not favor him to beat right now are, are Usman and Gilbert Burns. That's how highly I think of Covington as a fighter. Uh, as far as his personality, whether this is a shtick or not, I find it obnoxious. And 
outright caustic and given this current climate that we're in, uh, potentially quite dangerous. And uh, I can only imagine what would have happened if there were actually fans in the building for uh, for the Woodley fight, because it, it really felt it felt like a tense environment. And then everything that happened afterward to me was was probably his worst stuff yet. And, and as he said, there, there was a cleverness to, to Sonnen's. Uh, trash talking, even though it was you know on the borderline of offensive, if not outright offensive. Same thing with McGregor, but with Covington, there's no nuance. It's just in your face, outright obnoxiousness, and it's certainly not my cup of tea. It may cater to his particular fan base, and certainly Dana White doesn't seem to have any issue with it. But me personally, uh, I really like to see that just eliminated outright because uh, knowing everything that has gone on over the last several months and what could lie ahead. If, if this gets amplified, um, something really disastrous could happen, whether it's to Covington or for the UFC. And I would think that any other sports league would have put Covington aside for a little talk. But the UFC says, or, or Dana, I guess, they're not going to muzzle their athletes, per se. I, I mean, they'll muzzle them for certain things like fighter pay, for example. But yeah. uh, in the interest <laughs> of what Covington wants to do, uh, then I guess it's all fair game to them. Yeah. Hey, before I ask you about the card coming up this weekend, we brought up Connor. He he took to Twitter, uh, had a couple of screen grabs uh, with an exchange between him and Dana White. Say, you know, basically he's saying, "Hey, I was ready to go back to back fights. I had a schedule this year, and then COVID hits, and I'm not going to be anybody's stand-in. And essentially, I'm going to fight Manny Pacquiao now." <laughs> so, and and listen, I'm I I love Connor. I I I find him humorous and entertaining. I'm sure he's a giant pain in the backside to deal with. Um, and I'm not sure what's true and what's not. What What's your takeaway from this? Do you think there's any legitimacy to him fight? I mean, he, I think you're going to look at the same result against an older Manny Pacquiao would tune him up as well. But what what do you think the, the realistic chances are of him boxing again versus him just using this as a ploy to negotiate uh, perhaps a bigger payday to get back in the cage? Well, for what Ariel Helwani reported, it looks like the talks between McGregor and Pacquiao are serious, and they could host it in the Middle East sometime end of the year or early 2021. If any sanctioning body, because Pacquiao is is the reigning WBA welterweight champion, if any sanctioning body, so in this case the WBA, actually recognizes this as a legitimate title fight, then that is disgraceful, even by boxing sanctioning body standards. Like if this is an exhibition, then whatever. But if it's an actual professional bout, he's going to get beaten up even worse than he did in the Mayweather fight. So it's it's incredibly silly that we're even discussing this. But it's also 2020. So no one would be surprised <laughs> if it actually happened. Um, so as far as his text messages with Dana White, uh, I definitely saw uh, it, 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 we've been through this over and over again with McGregor that it, it seems like he's always on the verge of fighting and then something just gets in the way. Now, as far as his fighting future, I don't think he's going to stay retired. Um, I'm glad that Dana White, if that really was his, his back and forth DM, shut down the Diego Sanchez idea right away and said that we should lose our promoter's license if we make that fight. <laughs> yeah. it's one of the most humorous things that he's ever said. Um, but, you know, there, there are a couple of things to do with this. One, is he going to return when fans are allowed back in arenas? And there are still legal issues with McGregor because he, he did get detained in Corsica over uh, alleged sexual assault. Uh, so uh, it, it's one of those cases where if he's still in legal trouble, I really don't think we should jump that far ahead as far as booking him. Um, but if that gets cleared up, then McGregor really is just gonna, only going to be interested in big money fights. And Pacquiao is a big money fight. It is a joke of a fight. Um, but if the UFC or Dana White sees this as a potential avenue for Zufa boxing to get in the game, 
they'll they'll find a way to make it happen. As far as his UFC chances, uh, I don't know if he'd be thrust right into a title shot or you know face the, the loser of Khabib versus Gaethje. But you just know that there are options for McGregor in terms of big money fights. It's just a matter of actually getting him into the cage because I know the text message thing seems to suggest that it's the UFC stalling, but we've been through this story far too many times to just believe Connor is always on the verge of fighting before something happens. Right, right. Okay. Uh, let's move on to what's happening this weekend. Two fights. I mean, it's a, it's a really good card, but the top two fights, obviously, the, the light heavyweight title fight now that John Jones has vacated the title, Dominic Reyes. Uh, Jan Blahovic are fighting for the title. Who who do you like in that fight? I, I, Blahovic has got the power edge, in my opinion. Uh, Reyes is a pretty well-rounded fighter, as we learned in that fight against John Jones. Are, are you leaning one way or the other in this one? It, it, it's a really tough fight to call. I lean towards Reyes. I know a lot of people had scored that fight uh, for for Reyes over John Jones. I scored it for Jones, but I can understand the arguments for for giving Reyes the fight. Uh, the big question mark for me is. Can Reyes pace himself better? Because he had an aggressive pace, and he was really attacking Jones those first few rounds, and he noticeably faded the last two. And this is for somebody who's used to, to getting wins in the first couple of rounds. Uh, Blahovic, he did go five rounds with Jacare Souza, but that was an absolutely awful fight. Uh, but we also know that he's a dangerous striker. He, he has improved tremendously with his takedown defense. And uh, you know the knockout of Luke Rockhold was big, but the knockout of Corey Anderson, I think, solidified his case as being an elite light heavyweight. So uh, Reyes, on paper, he is the more dangerous striker because I think he just has more tools in his toolbox, per se. But, uh, you know, Blahovic has got a chance with, with that one-shot power. I, I'm really fascinated to see how this goes. And it, it's kind of like opening up a new era for light heavyweight because we're going to assume that John Jones is not going to return to light heavyweight. If he returns mm-hmm. to fighting, he's not going to stay at 205 or, or return to 205, I guess I could say. He's going to go up to heavyweight. And it's been 10 years since somebody other than John Jones or Daniel Cormier was a light heavyweight champion. Blahovic is up there in age, but Reyes is fairly young in terms of his, his uh, age and also the fact that he's not been in MMA for a very long time. So I, I, I hope that this division can keep its momentum going in terms of interesting matchups and, and, and this young talent starting to emerge because if that does happen, then maybe we won't miss John Jones necessarily at 205 and that we can get some new blood and more uh, intriguing matchups down the line. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, uh, last one before I let you go. Let me ask you about the main event, Israel Adesanya against Paulo Costa. Uh, you know, I look at it and I'm, I'm thinking, man, Israel's got all the size advantage in terms of length. He's got an 8-inch reach advantage. He's 6'4", Costa 6'1". Costa seems a little one-dimensional to me. He's just going to go out there and wing shots and try to knock you out, where Israel is incredibly dynamic. I, I, I mean, it feels like unless Costa lands that big punch, this could be a really one-sided fight, in my opinion. How do you see it? I can see I mean, it's a fascinating stylistic matchup because they're both strikers, but Adesanya is more methodical. He is incredibly technical. You never see him look out of position or throw wild shots like Costa does. But Costa is arguably faster, and he does have uh, heavier hands. So Costa can absolutely catch Adesanya and put him out. I mean, the only time Adesanya has ever been knocked out was in kickboxing mm-hmm. against one of the best kick- kickboxers in the world, Alex Behera. But in MMA, the, the most we've seen him hurt was against Kelvin Gastelum. We know that unlike the terrible Yoel Romero fight, which everybody would like to forget, Costa <laughs> is going to be aggressive. He's going to take the fight to Adesanya, but it, it could be, his aggressiveness can be used against him. In other words, Adesanya could make him miss, make him look foolish, 
counter him brilliantly. And I got to go to the cardio again. Costa went three hard rounds with Yoel Romero, and he held up. He got the close win. But this is a five-round fight, and Adesanya has proven he can go whether five slow-paced rounds with Romero or five hard rounds with Kelvin Gastelum, and he's got all that experience in kickboxing too. Costa, what happens when he's not dominating somebody? So I favor Adesanya. I can see Costa starting really quickly and maybe bothering Adesanya, if not hurting him, the first round or so. But if Adesanya can weather that early storm, I just trust Adesanya to be too smart, too technical, and too crafty, especially maximizing his 8-inch reach advantage, uh, to just pick apart Costa. And even though Costa's chin is tremendous, his defense is not. So it could be target practice towards the later rounds. And we might get a volume TKO finish or an exceedingly one-sided decision. Once again, we are in agreement. He is Mookie Alexander, associate editor at bloodyelbow.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mookie Alexander. Again, does a great job covering the sport of MMA. Also talks a lot of a lot about basketball, and uh, he's part of Field Goals, the editor at Field Goals for Seahawk fans out there. So uh, check him out on Twitter. Mookie, we always appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much, and uh, look forward to talking soon. Yep. Uh, hopefully the Seahawks can get their uh, defensive end situation sorted out, or else I'm going to have to rush the quarterback next week. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass your number along to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to gain a you know, 100 or 150 more pounds to, to, to make the squad. <laughs> hey, Mookie, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you.